Hello, my name is Gary. And my name is Simon. And this is episode 23 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On our podcast today, we'll be talking about charge etiquette, a topic that is close to many EV drivers' hearts and one which will become more and more important as EV uptake increases and more cars are on the road. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you, Simon, how did your last EV meet go? Uh, very well. There was uh, a great selection of EVs, and this was our second Hearts EVs event. But it ranged from i3s, several i3s in fact, a Soul, Tesla Model X, three Nissan Leafs, which are the newer model. There were several old Nissan Leafs as well. Two Neros. Yep, that's right. Two Neros. Two the uh, the unicorn of EVs, um, we had two, uh, which was amazing. And so it was a great turnout. We had lots of good conversation and interest from, a, in fact, a couple of people that were looking for an EV but didn't own one yet. So we helped them on their journey. We looked around some of the EVs. We explained some of the, uh, the various aspects, some of the questions that they had. Uh, normal things, specifically, like charging and what happens if you're on a motorway and you know the traffic stops you know what happens with electric and things like that so it was it was nice to see people that didn't own an ev but obviously are more than welcome at the hearts evs and other ev groups wanted to learn and wanted to find out more and there was an interesting one from the lady that did turn up she's a member of um, or certainly a, a group around the green party and she was trying to get speakers to a local green event uh, in, in Hitchin. So uh, Rob, uh, the other chap that runs Heart CVs with me, is uh, is going to attend that um, tonight, in fact, uh, when we're recording this. So uh, let's hope that helps further more people. Indeed, fingers crossed. Our feature topic today is charger etiquette. Imagine this scenario. You're on the motorway. You're playing a game of turtle with your car, i.e. running the battery down as low as you can before recharging it and getting the appearance of the infamous turtle where the car goes into slow-mo mode and crawls along. Finally, you eke your way into a service station, pull up to a charger and you see one charger not working and the other one's occupied by someone with an eye pace that's locked into the charger but he's not actually charging. How annoying is that? It's an example of someone who's disobeyed all the unwritten laws of charging. This is someone who's selfish and has caused an issue for you in your time of need. To try and avoid this happening, we've put together a list of do's and don'ts relating to how you behave while using a public charger. So these rules apply to both fast chargers and slow chargers and indeed high powered chargers. We're not discriminating on the basis of speed if you're using a public charger, i.e one that anyone else with an EV has the right to use, you should try to adhere to these guidelines. So let's get started. We'll start with some do's. Number one, only use a charger when charging. Charge bays are for vehicles that are intending to put electrons into their car. They're not to be used for people who wish to park their EV there while they go and do something else. Most charge bays are marked this way and will indicate that you can only use them while charging. Anything else? Bad juju. Move away from the charger when finished. This is linked to the previous guidelines. It's tempting to start the car charging and then go do something else, especially if you're in a place such as Ikea, for instance, which can sap your time as you make your way through the store, restaurant and marketplace. This means that on some smaller battery cars, your vehicle can get charged up before you've even finished shopping. 
don't be tempted to just leave it there. Go back, unplug and move on. If charges are limited, it frees up a slot for someone who may be crawling in on turtle mode. Number three, only take the minimum you need from the charger and let other people use it. If you check back on our episode on charging, which was episode three, you'll see that one of the things that we recommend you do while at a charger is calculate how much you need to get to your next destination. This might be 75% or 80%. Remember Bjorn Island when he did his 24 hour Guinness World Record run in a Model 3, he only charged to 67% maximum each time. You don't always need to go to 100% at every charge. Once you've calculated how much you need and the charger has delivered that amount, unplug and move off. Number four, take the charger that provides the best charge for your vehicle. If you can't take a fast charger speed, don't use the fast charger. Looking at you, Fevs. This is especially important now that high power chargers come in on stream. It's tempting to plug your car into a 150 kilowatt charger to get finished quicker, right? But unless your car can actually charge at the higher speed, this is a false economy. It also blocks the charger for anyone with a car such as an iPace or an e-tron that can take the higher speed. This is also something that happens to cars such as FEVs. As a general rule of thumb, a plug-in hybrid cannot charge at 50 kilowatt speed. There are exceptions. Therefore, plugging into a charger and using the 50 kilowatt plug, Chadim or CCS, is a waste of time. It also blocks the charger for other cars that can use that charger. If you're on certain chargers, such as an Ngini one, get onto the AC charger. This will give you fast enough speed and it will allow someone else to use the DC charger at the same time. Number five, check whether your car is finished charging frequently. Personally, I tend to stick with my car while it's charging and that way I can monitor the charge and chat with any other drivers who are around. But, especially with larger battery vehicles, owners do tend to plug in and head off to a nearby cafe or a fast food eatery to avail themselves of the facilities. The problem is that it's not always possible to know when your car is finished charging. So do go back and check regularly. There's nothing worse than somebody blocking a charger when the car is finished charging and, and they're nowhere to be found. This happened to Simon at the BP Charging Hub recently. If your car has an app that allows you to track the charging progress, make sure you use that. If not, go back and check frequently. Number six, connected with the previous point, leave contact details if you're going to leave your car or use an app like ChargeBump. If I pull up to a charger and there is a car charging and nobody there, it's frustrated. Will the car hog the charger for another five minutes or another 90 minutes? Knowing which one can make it easier to decide whether to stay or go. If there's a way of contacting the driver, this removes any anxiety and helps you make the decision. As chargers become more widespread and multiple units appear in any given site, thank you Instavolt and Ngini, this will become less of an issue. Number seven, speak with other drivers. Let them know how long you'll be there if there are no spare chargers. I generally charge for about 15-20 minutes tops. If I've been there 5 minutes and somebody needs the charger urgently, I'll let them know I'm going to be 15 minutes. They can then stay or go. Number 8. Update PlugShare and ZapMap with charger status. Especially important for these apps as it updates the status live for many networks. It also lets other users know if there is an issue with the charger. Nothing worse than turning up to find the charger is operational but your connector is broken. CCS charges fine, but Chadamo doesn't, or vice versa. Number nine, help others who might be confused or unsure how to do things. 
Everybody has a first time using these chargers. With some that need apps or RFID cards, that can be an issue. Help them and show them how it works. We did this at the Kent meet recently with the Engini chargers using contactless payment. It was some guy's first time out. We showed them how to work and he was very th grateful for it. Number 10. Check your charge speed. By noting it if the car or charger displays it or calculating it if it doesn't, you can determine whether the throttling has occurred and it's time to move on. Unless you absolutely have to filter 100%, the time lost waiting for a charge once your BMS starts throttling is more than made up for the moving to the next charger and connecting from a lower state of charge. Every car has a charge curve and most of them will start to throttle once the state of charge hits a certain percentage. This protects the battery but means the charger can take as long to do the last 20% as it does the first 80%. Pareto's law. So there's a list of 10 do's relating to charging. Let's have a look at some don'ts. Number one, don't hog the charger. When you're done, you're done. Move it, buddy. Especially important if you're at a location with limited chargers, i.e. most polar locations. Less important if you're at a hub with numerous chargers. Number two, don't park, plug and pretend. If you're using the charger as free parking by plugging a cable in and not actually initially in charging, you deserve to be infested with the bow lice. Alternatively, you should be ticketed or forced to pay full parking rates. This is one of the main sins of charging. Don't do it. Number three, don't unplug somebody else's charger unless their charge has finished and the cable is unlocked. This is sacrilege. Stopping somebody's charge and unplugging them should be against the law. It's also incredibly selfish. Number four, don't spend all day hogging a fast charger if your car is only pulling two kilowatts. It happens, it's annoying, and it should be software limited. This is connected to the earlier guideline about monitoring your charge speed. Number five, don't press the emergency stop button to stop your charge. The emergency stop button is for emergencies only. The clue is in the name. Not being able to stop your charging immediately is not an emergency. A short circuit or a fire is an emergency. If you can't stop your charge, call the provider and ask them to remotely stop it. Pushing the emergency stop button disables the unit and can cause damage requiring an engineer. I've seen at least two polar chargers with a button push that needed an engineer calling in to reinitiate and fix the device. Number six, don't ignore the units that don't work. Call the provider and make sure they are aware if this and an engineer has been called. Just because you see a charger that isn't working doesn't mean it has been reported. Remember the charge companies may not know there's an issue unless you call them. I had a polar charger when the screen had been in the hot sun so long it had stopped responding to touch cards. As a result, the unit was unusable but didn't flag as broken on the operator's network stats. A call to the operator solved that issue. And finally, number seven, don't park like an idiot. Know where your charge port is located and make sure you're on the right place so it can reach. If you're in an i3, know that your charge point is at the back on the driver's side. If you're in a Tesla, know it's at the back on the passenger side and make sure you reverse or pull in appropriately to ensure you don't have to stretch the cable and cause pressure on the connector when it attaches. This is one of the reasons a lot of chargers fail and another reason a lot of connectors break. So that's our list. Do you agree with them all? Any you would add or remove? I think we might have some interesting discussions surrounding these 
uh, these guidelines? Yes, I do indeed. I think uh, I think there might be some uh, some good feedback that comes out of this one. Hope so. <laughs> so let's wrap it up by seeing if there's some cool EV or renewable thing you've come across that we can share with our listeners. So yes, so here's mine: electric motorbikes. So these are becoming more and more mainstream now, and with similar ranges of lower-end EVs, are becoming practical. The recent video from James and Kate shows one of the latest and looks so much fun. Now, I'm not a bike person myself, but I can see the attraction in these with the amount of acceleration and torque on a motorbike and obviously cheap fuel. If you want to see more of this, check out the video in the links below. The video that I saw that um, James went out on uh, one of these uh, new EV bikes and I've seen them occasionally, but not mainstream. It's the, the the same acceleration you get out of an EV, but on two wheels. It's um, it's insane, and it looked incredibly quick with a hundred mile range. My cool thing. It sounds quite boring, but it's actually quite important. And I'm talking VAT on charging. Recently, I asked a question of the main EV charging companies in the space: BP Charge Master, Ingenie, and Instavolt what VAT rate they charge on their electrons. On Twitter, I had lots of people telling me, it's 20%, idiot, because that's what the government mandates. So I waited and I waited and I bumped a couple of the companies for a reply and finally found out. It's not the same. BP Charge Master and Ingenie charge 20%, as expected, but Instavolt only charge 5%. Alpha Power only charge 5%. Ecotricity charge 30%, uh, 20%. So it's very interesting, and it's interesting for two reasons. Given that Ingenie and Instavolt charge the same per kilowatt hour, Instavolt are taking home more profit per kilowatt hour than Ingenie, as they're only giving 5% to the HMRC rather than 20%. This means effectively they're ripping off their customers. But more importantly, for EV drivers who reclaim their charge costs from, the com- from a company, this means that an Instavolt charge is actually more expensive than an Ingenie charge, even though the rate per kilowatt hour is the same, and that's because companies can reclaim the VAT from the government. So a £10 charge on Instavolt would mean the company can reclaim 5% of that, whereas the same £10 charge with Ingenie, they could reclaim 20%. If you're a company such as a taxi operator with lots of charging, this can add up over the year, and it means Instavolt are far more expensive than Ingenie for the same cost per kilowatt hour. And that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact us, Simon is at The EV Side on Twitter and YouTube. And I'm the Real Gary C on Twitter. If you want to contact us on Twitter, use either of those or our very own EV Musings Twitter account, hashtag MusingsEV. Nope, today's not the reason why I tell you why it's that rather than the other way. If you want in a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. Please recommend us. Please uh, subscribe other people. Grab their phones. Do that. We're available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review as it makes us feel loved and helps us know we're not just shouting out just the two of us in a car somewhere making a, a podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye now.